the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Hypothetically, if you were to gain the entire world, if you were to gain everything in this world, if you achieved all your dreams in this life, if you have the greatest success in life and you get it all, but you die without Christ, what do you have? You have nothing. Your soul will be lost for all eternity. You gain the world, but you lose your soul. In our world, getting caught up in social status comes easy. A society that floods us with messages telling us happiness comes from having more money, more power, more everything. But the truth is, all of those things are temporary. They will eventually fade away or be left behind when we die. What matters is our relationship with Christ. And in today's message, Pastor Dan reminds us that God is the one who gives our life purpose and fulfillment. Without Him, we truly have nothing. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. This is what is required to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Deny yourself, take up your cross, then you are in the right place to follow him. But you got to start with this. And again, it's a way of life. It's a daily submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. In the Gospels, there's the story of the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler, he had a desire for eternal life. He had a desire to follow God. But he wasn't willing to do what Jesus required to be his follower. He came to Jesus and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And and Jesus finally told him, after talking about the law, Jesus said, well, go your way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And it says that the man was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And here was a man, he had, he had a desire. There was something in him that longed for eternal life. There was something in him that longed for a relationship with God. But once he heard the requirements, once he heard what was required, he wouldn't do it. He wasn't willing to deny himself and take up his cross. He wasn't willing to put Jesus Christ in charge of his life. It's not optional. Jesus goes on in verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you want to be in charge of you, if you want to run your own life and live according to your own rules, Jesus is saying, well, you'll you'll waste your life now and you'll lose your life for eternity. 
But if you give your life to Jesus Christ now, if you deny yourself and take up your cross and live your earthly life for him, following his agenda, you'll have abundant life now and save your soul for eternity. And so what is Jesus saying? He's saying we have a choice. We have a choice how we live. You can live for self now and lose your life for eternity, or you can surrender your life to Christ now and live for him and gain eternity. Now, this is the opposite of what the world tells us, isn't it? The world tells us that we will find fulfillment in chasing after our desires and achieving our dreams. But that will leave you empty and lost. The path to joy and fulfillment is found in surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and following him. It's losing your life to him. Not saving your life, but losing your life. Following Christ will put us at odds with the world and what the world values. The world will look at a follower of Christ who has denied himself and taken up his cross and say, what a wasted life that is. The world cannot comprehend the crucified life. Paul said the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And Jesus continues in verse 26. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, your soul is the part of you that is eternal. Your soul is the part of you that that connects to God on, on the vertical. And look at the value that God places on a human soul. God says one human soul is more valuable than the entire world. So hypothetically, if you were to gain the entire world, if you were to gain everything in this world, if you achieved all your dreams in this life, if you have the greatest success in life and you get it all, but you die without Christ, what do you have? You have nothing. Your soul will be lost for all eternity. You gain the world, but you lose your soul. Or another way to look at it, Jesus says, is what will you give in exchange for your soul? Your soul is the most valuable thing you possess. It's more valuable than the whole world. And what would you give in exchange for your soul? And the fact is, most people give away their soul for next to nothing. I mean, if we went around the room and just shared our testimony of what, what we gave our soul away to before we were saved, it was nothing. We're not even talking, I mean, not even the whole world, not even great riches. We were willing to give it away for nothing. In fact, why don't we do this? We'll just start right. I'm just kidding. Remember? <laughs> Everyone has this choice. You live your life for yourself and you'll be lost forever. Or you abandon your life to Jesus Christ and you enjoy his blessing in this life and you gain eternal life. And so the question, you know, we have to ask ourselves is who am I living for? Who am I living for? I say that I'm a Christian, but who's really in charge of my life? Who's making the decisions? Are you living for yourself? Or are you living for Jesus? And look what he says in verse 27. Look where he takes us next. For the son of man will come 
in the glory of his father with his angels. And then he will reward each according to his works. Jesus is saying, you need to decide. You need to decide if you're going to follow me because the day of judgment is coming. Jesus is coming back in glory with his angels. And then he will reward everyone according to their works. And the Bible says this life is a vapor. It's very short. And this will be a time of reward for the believer and a time of judgment for the non-believer. It's a time of reward for those who surrender to Jesus Christ. And it's time of judgment for those who live for self. And so verse 28, now he says, assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. Now, there are some who read this verse and say, well, well, that never happened. The disciples didn't live long enough to see the Lord coming in his kingdom. So I guess Jesus was, was wrong. Well, actually, Jesus is referring to his transfiguration in chapter 17. These words of Jesus are recorded in three of the four gospels. And each time, every time, he says this right before his transfiguration. It's talking about the transfiguration here. You know, the chapter numbers and the verse numbers were added to the text in like the 1500s. And those chapter and verses are very, very helpful. But sometimes the chapter breaks are not in the right place. Verse 28 is really pointing to chapter 17. So now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, And led them up on a high mountain by themselves. This is probably Mount Hermon right there above Caesarea Philippi. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as the light. Now, in his incarnation, Jesus did not give up his deity. He remained God. But he did conceal his glory with his humanity. At the transfiguration, he pulls back the veil of his flesh to give Peter, James, and John just a a little glimpse of his glory here. A little glimpse of coming attractions. And his face, it says, shone like the sun. You've looked into the sun, right? It's pretty bright. And his clothes became white as the light. Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, describes the new Jerusalem where we will dwell with Jesus in eternity. And Revelation 22, 5 says, and there will no longer be any night and they will not have need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illuminate them. The glory of God will be the light in the new Jerusalem. Peter would write in his second letter, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, of his glory here, the Mount of Transfiguration. Now look at verse three. So Jesus gives them a little glimpse of his glory. It's brighter than the sun. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. The disciples apparently recognized Moses and Elijah, even though they died hundreds of years before this time. So Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. The law and the prophets are the two main divisions of the Old Testament. And it says Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus. They weren't confronting Jesus. They weren't rebuking Jesus for claiming to be the Messiah. They were talking with him. There's no contradiction or conflict between Jesus and the Old Testament. They're in agreement with each other. 
In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus said elsewhere, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life. But these are they that testify of me. The Old Testament testifies of Jesus. It, it points to Jesus. If you remember after the resurrection, Jesus spoke with the two men on the road to Emmaus. And it says in Luke 24, verse 27, that Jesus, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He had a Bible study with them there, and he showed them, beginning with Genesis, going all the way through the Old Testament, how it all points to him. And it all speaks to him. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth Radio Ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. This is one of the reasons why we study the Old Testament, because the Old Testament speaks to Jesus. Moses and Elijah, they appear and they spoke with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. <laughs> you got to love Peter. Well, Moses is here. Elijah's here. Jesus is here. And we're here. Don't we're here too, Lord. It's good for us to be here too. I mean, <laughs> thanks, Pete. I'm glad you're here. In case the conversation drags a little bit between Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, I'm sure you can just kind of carry the conversation along with whatever you've got to add to Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. And look what he says. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, now this is interesting. Listen, Mark's gospel tells us Peter said this because, you ready for this? It says, he didn't really know what to say. <laughs> are, are any of you like a nervous talker, right? You don't know what to say, you're nervous, and you just start talking, and you just open your mouth, and you just start going, and you hope something comes out that makes sense? That was Peter. And so Peter here, he said, hey, we should build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now, by suggesting to build three tabernacles, Peter was implying that Moses, Elijah, and Jesus are equal or should be treated equally. They're not equal. Jesus is greater than Moses and Elijah. Jesus is in his own category. And so watch what happens. Look at verse 5. I love verse 5. Verse 5 says, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him or listen to him. <laughs> it says, well, while Peter was still speaking, as I was saying, I think we could just put the tabernacles over here. Or we could just one here, one here. 
a cloud, you know, comes over and a voice from heaven. God speaks and interrupts Peter and says, this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Jesus is greater, Peter. Jesus is the one I want you listening to. Stop talking. (laughs) And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and he touched them and said, arise and do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Jesus only. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them saying, tell the vision to no one until the son of man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Now, they just saw Elijah. And the last prophecy of the Old Testament is Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, where it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So that's the last promise in the Old Testament that God will send Elijah before the coming of the day of the Lord, before the Messiah comes. So as they're walking down this mountain, Peter, James, and John are trying to figure out, well, what about Elijah? If Jesus is the Messiah, Elijah is supposed to come first. So Jesus answers their question in verse 11. Jesus answered and said to them, indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the son of man is also about to suffer in their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. John the Baptist came in the spirit and a power of Elijah. But Elijah, the prophet, will come again. He will come first as the forerunner for Jesus Christ at his second coming. When he comes again, that's why he's able to say he he will come And he has come. He has come in the person of John the Baptist. Elijah is coming first, verse 11, and will restore all things. Elijah will come before the second coming of Jesus Christ. Many scholars and Bible teachers believe that Elijah will be one of the two prophets that are mentioned in Revelation chapter 11 during the tribulation period that are two witnesses uh, there in Jerusalem. In Revelation 11, and it's interesting, the miracles these two uh, witnesses perform, uh, they have the power to stop the rain from heaven. Well, that sounds like Elijah, who stopped the rain for three and a half years, and they will turn water into blood. That sounds like Moses. That's what he did in Egypt. And so many believe the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11 will be Moses and Elijah. And here you have Moses and Elijah meeting with Jesus on this mountain. Now that brings us to verse 14. We're cooking along here, aren't we? And when they had come to the multitude, so they come down the mountain. And when they get to the bottom of the mountain, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is an epileptic and suffers severely For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And so I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And so so when Jesus and the three disciples come down the mountain, there was a demon possessed boy waiting for him. Often when we have a mountaintop experience with the Lord, Satan is at the bottom of the mountain 
waiting for us to come down. You just heard this testimony from the kids on the mission trip. And all of this spiritual warfare, that's how it goes. And we just need to be mindful of that. We can expect spiritual warfare to be waiting for us when we come down off the mountaintop. When it says that this boy was an epileptic, it doesn't mean that he had epilepsy. Uh, they, they, they didn't know about epilepsy back then. The, the word just means that he had seizures. And, and as we read through the passage, we understand that he had seizures uh, that were the result of demonic possession. And so here we have an instance where a physical ailment was brought on by demon possession. And that doesn't mean that all physical conditions are demonic, but some are. And this one is. And, and it, we're told the demons cause him to fall into the fire and to fall into the water. So the demons caused the boy to inflict self-harm. And the disciples were unable to help the boy. They couldn't cast this demon out. So verse 17, then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately. And said, why could we not cast it out? And so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, the disciples had cast demons out before. Back in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sent them out and they cast out demons. But this time they could not. This demon was harder to cast out. And this demon caused unbelief in the hearts of the disciples. Jesus rebukes them in verse 20 for their unbelief. That's why they weren't able to do it. And Jesus tells them in verse 21 that this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Well, the disciples had no idea they would encounter a demon-possessed boy that day. How would they know to pray and fast? Jesus is talking about a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. To just have a regular lifestyle of praying and fasting so that You are always prepared so that you're always prepared spiritually for whatever you may encounter. Because you don't ever know. You don't ever know what you might come across in the course of a day. And so we should have a a lifestyle of praying and and fasting and, and just keeping ourselves spiritually ready and spiritually alert for whatever may come our way. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this passage. We thank you, Lord, that you tell us very plainly what is required to be your disciple. Lord, we thank you for just this little glimpse of your glory that we see here in your transfiguration. And Lord, we thank you for how you instruct us here about spiritual warfare and how these things work. And Lord, I pray that we would be people who are true disciples that deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow you, put you first in everything. 
And Lord, I pray that we would have a a lifestyle of prayer and a lifestyle of fasting, that we would always be ready, always be spiritually prepared for whatever may come our way. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring sure than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. Pastor Dan has more to share with you next time, but if you have any questions or would like to talk to us and have any prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at 410-491-4592. The number again is 410-491-4592. You can also get in touch with us by visiting our website, Go to calvaryec.com and look under the About tab, then click on Contact. You're welcome to submit prayer requests on our website, too. If you're interested in finding additional messages from this series, you can access those at calvaryec.com as well, under the Media tab. Have you connected with a local church? If not, we encourage you to find a church family. It will help guide and support you in your faith. If you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. Our website is a great place to find out what we believe. And you can also get to know Pastor Dan a little more. Feel free to explore and learn more at calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to gain some additional insights from this New Testament book, Pastor Dan will help bring some things to light for you right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.